Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. here a couple weeks ago, and uh, Matt has been trying to, I want to do the best job I can for you when I'm up here, so Matt is a good influence in this church's history, but, and and so he challenged me to do a little different preaching style, and so I'm going to try that today, Uh, and and I want to walk through the Psalms with you, and going through the Psalms is such a wonderful book, a wonderful treasure, it's the largest book in the Bible, and it's filled with all kinds of wonderful ways that man encountered God. It's not just, hey, I wrote down and wrote this nice little poem out. They're actual prayers that David threw out, and they put them all together in a compilation. There's prayers from David in there. Uh, David had one of the largest holy choirs in the history of mankind. I mean, somehow this little shepherd boy one day got it up into his head to have a choir. And so he put together instruments and singers and brought them together. And so you'll find some uh, tunes in there that they sang back in David's time. Plus, I think it's got some psalms from Moses, just a great collection. And so I want to start going through some psalms for you, and today we'll start in Psalms 23, uh, and we'll get to that here in a little bit, but the most important thing you can do, I think, in your life is go through psalms. You will find ways in there that people that came before us encountered God in a way that'll change your life. And it's not just me getting down on my knees and saying, please God, please God, please God. It's actual ways that they asked God for help, and God brought that help. So it paints a picture of what it's like to be somebody walking with God and actually being a human being. Any feeling you could ever imagine is probably covered in Psalms. Plus, it gives us an idea about who God is. I think a lot of times in our life, we we get off on little tangents of deciding who God is and who God isn't, or maybe different religions or ways of thought teach us who God is and who God isn't. But the Psalms gives us a real-life picture about who God is because it's man going to God and then God providing. So not only is there prayers in there, but there's testimonies and testimony and testimony. And so for the next couple times, God willing, that I get to get up here and preach, I'm going to go through some of those psalms to you today. But before we get too much further, I do want to stop and pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for the abundance of rain, Lord. We don't know why mosquitoes were invented, but Lord, we ask and thank you for people that are able to do something about that too. We ask you to protect us and guide us, Lord. As our teachers go back to the classroom, Lord, we ask that you would just bless them and help them and guide them in those places and give them security, Father. We ask that as our children go back to those classrooms, that you do the same for them, that they find in those classrooms, not just an opportunity to learn, but an opportunity to expand and just be lit on fire for this world needing solutions. And we just ask that that would come alive in our classrooms. Guide the rest of us as we go to work in different places. Help us to overcome and let your words in this building be spoken today be a blessing to not only you, but those people that are gathered here in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So so good morning, and we're going to go through Psalms 23 this morning. And I, I I was challenged by Matt Johnson. I bring him up because he challenged me. He said, I want you to spend, we, we, we get together once a month. He says, I want you to spend this next month, go through Psalms 23, and I want you to compare yourself to that sheep that he's talking about. Don't do anything else. Just compare yourself to that sheep in that verse. And that's hard for me. I don't want to be a sheep, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But in studying that, 
it came up with this title, Since When Do Sheep Eat at the Table? I mean, we put them on the table. Lots of people cook sheep, but when do they allow to set at the table? And so I thought that was funny, and so I wanted to include it here in my sermon. But Because it's true, I spend a lot of time in my life wanting to be a shepherd, right? I'm a father, I have kids, I was in law enforcement for a little bit, and so they teach you you don't want to be a sheep, you want to be a sheepdog. I want to be a provider. Sheeps are kind of providers, but, you know, they're getting providing in a whole different route that I don't want to go through. But, and, and so I don't want to be a sheep. And so it really took some conscious effort to get down in this verse. And we're going to go through the psalm real quick. If you have your Bibles, it'll also be on the Sky Bible. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just beautiful, beautiful imagery, stuff you won't find anywhere else. Usually, and this is probably one of the world's most used verses when it comes to funerals. In fact, if you've ever been to a funeral, you've probably memorized that verse by now. But I'm here to dispel a myth. It's not about death. This psalm is not a psalm about dying. It's a psalm about living. David grew up as a shepherd, a small shepherd in his father's house. And so somewhere along the way, he claimed onto this idea of what a good shepherd is. And then as he grew in stature, going from being a little shepherd boy to the king of a kingdom, he continued to delve into that. Now, Psalms doesn't give us any background stories. It doesn't tell us why David made this song. It doesn't tell us how it happened. But I think as we read through that, we see places in our lives where this has come true time and time again. And so I want to go through this verse with you, and there's a lot there, and so hopefully we can get it covered before lunchtime, so bear with me if I go just a tad bit too fast, but this is such a wonderful verse to unpack. If you sit there and think about it from the perspective of a sheep, it's a wonderful thing to get into and realize that there's something above me that is protecting me and guiding me through life and all the different ways that that happens. And so before we even get too much further, the first thing David says is the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. And so in the Hebrew, the actual verse here should say Yahweh is my shepherd. And what happened through the ancient periods of writing this word down is if you were an ancient Hebrew, you couldn't write the word Yahweh. If you did, you had to wear gloves and you had to take those gloves off go burn the gloves, and then wash your hands before you even wrote the next word. That's how precious this name is, Yahweh. It defines who God is, and literally taken it is, I am that I am. So right off the bat, we're establishing, David's establishing that he's serving the same God that we just got through singing about a while ago. The God who revealed himself to Moses in a burning bush. Moses says, well, who are you? What is this burning bush before me? And he says, I am that I am. I am. And we hear that all throughout the Bible. And it follows not only Moses, but it was back in Abraham, Joseph's times. And so we're already establishing that David has set us on a course of establishing the one true God, the great I am. And so before you go any further in your thoughts, David could replace that with something else. He could have said, my pocketbook is my shepherd. He could have said, the church is my shepherd. He could have said, I am my own shepherd. Or maybe there's a God down the street I want to go worship. Maybe they're my shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, the great I am. And so wherever you are in life, know that there's only one way to heaven. 
And it's through this series of people, this tradition that's been handed down of the great I am who's walking over with us. Now, here was the hard part for me. The next verse, the next couple of words in there is my shepherd. Now, when I was challenged to read this verse, I, I didn't want to be a sheep. I mean, it sounds great. It sounds poetic. But we're taught our entire life that sheep are dumb animals. In fact, Dawson and I were having a discussion with the group before we got up here uh, to worship that sheep are dumb animals. It's not necessarily that they're dumb. They're just stubborn, right? They're stubborn-headed. And so we, we look at them, and they're kind of pack animals. They like to stay in a pack and move. If you find a sheep out by itself, there's something going on there. There's something wrong. And so I don't want to be a pack animal. I don't want to be somebody who just follows along. I want to be that shepherd, right? That sounds great. But if you look at this verse, you realize that David has put us into that place. And you realize that you're also a valuable person because sheep may be dumb. They may be stubborn, but they're very valuable. From the ancient of days, people have raised sheep. I mean, from history, history on back, centuries and decades, they're this valuable livestock animal that's been raised all the way from outer Mongolia down to Peru. I mean, people constantly raise sheep, and they provide meat, and they provide wool. In fact, there's like 200 species of this thing running around. I mean, it's a garnered industry. Now, I've never raised sheep. My wife says she did so back in 4-H, and Dawson was talking about them earlier. But they, they're very stubborn animals, and the only defenses they have is to headbutt you pretty much. And so if you know anything about me, I could be stubborn. and <laughs> I, I try to headbutt as much things as I can, but sometimes that'll just knock you out. So I started to see myself in this place that maybe I am a sheep more than I want to admit. And so that brings up the shepherd part, the part that I like. The shepherd sounds pretty cool. In fact, throughout history, if you study the way we have the traditional lore of the cowboy in today's world, it all started with the shepherd. Back before there were cowboys and farmers, there were shepherds. And so the shepherds, that was a pretty, that was like John Wayne back of the days. I mean, that was tombstone type, living in the rough and living in the wild and defending and knowing how to handle yourself and knowing how to handle things that come against you. Back in the day, the shepherd was today's version of Wyatt Earp. I mean, they would go out there when they would take care of business. And I like that image. And it's not hard for us living in this part of the world to imagine that and to cling on to that. It's pretty easy to do. But just to give you some idea about the importance of a shepherd, Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel is an Old Testament prophetic book. In Ezekiel 34, verse 5, it says about sheep and about people that they were scattered for lack of a shepherd, or they became food for every beast of the field. So it starts to give you an idea of how important a shepherd is. Without a shepherd, the flock gets scattered, and it becomes food for every wild animal out there. And so all of a sudden, people are praying on us. Jesus talks a lot about being a good shepherd. Matthew 9, 9 says that Jesus looked out on the crowd, and he felt, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited, like sheep without a shepherd. The lack of a shepherd can do real harm. In fact, this is a conversation for another time. Maybe I can do a sermon about shepherds. But if you're in a situation where things are being taken from you, or you walk into a workplace or a school or wherever you're at, a government building, and you see that things aren't right, things are being taken from people, realize that maybe that place needs to get a real shepherd. That's where you're being called up to service. And so only then can we start to embrace maybe some of our identities and our purpose. But like I said, that's a conversation for another time. 
Jesus unfolds himself as a good shepherd in John 10. So if you want to see the qualities of good shepherd, at some point this week, you can go through John 10. But we got to move on through the verses because there's a lot to cover here. So now we're going to skip down and it says, I shall not want. And all of a sudden, I relate to being a sheep because anytime anything goes bump in the night, you better believe I'm calling Jesus for help. And so I start to realize that maybe I am a little bit more like a sheep than I want to admit because sometimes... Sadly enough, that's the only time we go to God for help is when all of a sudden we hear that bump in the night. And sheep are that way. They're very myopic. Apparently, and like I said, I've only read about these things. I've never raised one. But apparently they can't see the depth of vision that we have. And so if I'm looking in a pasture, I can't notice that maybe there's a bump here. Maybe there's something there that is I can't eat. I'm going to try to eat it anyway, but it's not going to taste very good because sheep have a different sense of taste than we have. And so that's the reason they cry out. Any little thing that changes in their life, they cry out to God or the shepherd. Any little thing that breaks, they cry out, God help me. And there's nothing wrong with that. Please hear me. There's nothing wrong with that because I do the same thing. We're humans. But realize on the other end of that cry is a shepherd. And that's what David's trying to reassure us here in this passage is I shall not want. And we've all been in places maybe where we wanted something and it not happened. Give us some time. Give it to the good shepherd and let him take over. Sometimes we have to get up out of the pasture and we have to get on down the road. And that's what I think what this next verse tells us about. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. And we could talk about those green pastures and quiet waters. And today I want to take a little bit of a different approach. Is as a shepherd, he knows there's places we have to go. He knows when the grass is getting too short in this pasture, and maybe we need to go over this other pasture. He knows that there's not a river flowing through the pasture, so he has to lead us to a river. We don't know that. We're just sheep. We're just walking along, and we're hungry. Then all of a sudden, we're thirsty. Well, if I'm going to get some drinks, i got to move on over here. Sometimes we got to move, and I think this passage speaks to transitions in our lives. We have to go from this place to that place. And sometimes those roads can get a little tough because it's not the green pasture. It's not filled with what we need to eat. It's, it's what's coming up next. And sometimes we forget that we got to go through those transition places. And so know if you're going through transitional places that the shepherd is leading you. He's leading you through those green pastures. He's leading you through those quiet waters. Here's another thing. He knows that we need green pastures. He knows that we need quiet waters. Sometimes we get to forgetting. We have a green pasture. We go on through this transition point and we really want that green pasture back. Well, God's going to take you back to the green pasture. He's going to take you back. The shepherd is going to take you back to the quiet waters. Sheep apparently can remember some things. They're kind of smart. Scientific studies said they can remember things up to two years. After two years, they forget. I didn't know that. And so it's kind of like me. After a while, I can start to forget that maybe I had a nice green pasture over there and God's going to take me into another one. Or maybe there was a nice quiet stream where I like to drink water and I forget, God, I'm really thirsty. I could really use a drink. I'm not going to wander off of the path. I'm going to continue to stay with my shepherd because he's going to take me back to that place. During those transitions, I think something else happens. We get out there among the thorns and it could do some real damage. We go wandering away from the herd. It could do some damage. We go wandering through the pass to get down to the stream, and maybe it's rocky, and maybe our feet hurt. Maybe our backs are tired from carrying all that wool. But here it says, he restores my soul. In those places of quiet time comes a restoration. In those places of green pastures and quiet waters comes a time where he's allowed to restore our soul. Now, realize also in this verse, 
It says he restores my soul. There's a lot of different choices we have in life when it comes to restoring my soul. They're inventing a new product every day. Something new that will help bring you back together, give you peace. If you look at the self-help section at any Barnes & Noble or any Amazon bookstores, you'll find millions of books about self-help. Not all of them are bad. Not all of them are bad. But realize in this verse, it tells us the only one who can restore our soul is him, the great Yahweh, the great I am that I am. And so whatever you're battling, whatever hard places we go through in those transition, realize it's the shepherd that's going to restore our soul and take us back to that place of healing. We'll talk more about healing here in a little bit. Now, here's the interesting thing. Why? Why does he do all that? It says here in the text, for my namesake. For his namesake, and we were talking about covenant in one of the songs a while ago, he establishes a covenant for us. He wants to be a God who brings that covenant to pass. He's a God that wants to bring that promise to pass in your life. For his namesake. Find that in any other scripture, any other place of fulfillment in your life where it says, follow this self-help book because if you don't, you know, my name's at risk. You know, Jesus, back in John 10, talks about hired hands that come on to lead a flock. That the minute trouble strikes, they take off. Same way with God. God wouldn't be much of a God if he just took off down the road when you got into a hard place. God wouldn't be much of a God if he took you in those transitional paths and just said, hey, go on down there about five yards and you will find some water. That, that God knows that those shepherds can't see. He's got to lead them to the waters. He's got to lead them to the green pass. It kind of gives you an idea of who God is. For his namesake, he wants to take you through these places. That's something powerful about that. And I was trying to figure out a way to relay this in, in a practical information. And I don't know if anybody remembers the movie Toy Story, the first one. Great story. You had Buzz Lightyear, who they're doing movies about now, but then you had Woody here. And so in this movie, if you've never seen it, there's, there's Woody, and they're all waiting for Christmas to come along, and that's when the new toys come into the house. And so all of a sudden, Andy gets that Buzz Lightyear doll that he really wanted. But Buzz doesn't know he's a toy, right? So he's walking around trying to fend the fortress of whatever from whatever. And, 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 and Andy's over here, or uh, what's his name? Woody's over here trying to convince him he's just a toy. And so finally he lifts up his boot and say, look, you'll see Andy's name written on the bottom of my boot. I belong to Andy. And you'll notice in that story, Andy does everything he can to try to keep those toys together. He restores my soul. There's something in here that has God's name all over it because I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. For his name's sake, he sees me. He recognizes me as a member of his flock. I was thinking about this whole sheep thing and trying to become a sheep, and then I remembered, I think it was Jesus, who said in the end times, there's going to come a time where I separate the goats from the sheep. There's going to come a time where I separate those two things out, the goats to judgment and the sheep to eternal life. I want to be a sheep when that happens. But realize that there's these goat things running around us. If you're a goat farmer, I'm sorry. I don't mean to put, pick on you. I don't know if you should be raising that flock. but There's grace for everybody, right? But anyway, being a sheep is a wonderful thing. Here's another verse where he talks about for his namesake. If you look way back in Deuteronomy, there was a promise made to the Hebrew people I like to read about. I like to read this 
And in the entire verse from, I think, 28 down to 15 is about God's blessing on us. We'll pick it up in verse 8, Deuteronomy 28, 8. It says, The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns, and all that you put your hand to, he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Verse 9, The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, as he swore to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. It says in verse 10, here's the important part. So all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will reveal you. There's great promises in the Bible when I'm part of his herd, when I'm part of his flock. There's these promises that come from ancient of days into our lives if we'll just follow that shepherd. Not only will he lead us to the green pastures and to the still waters, but he's also going to put his name on us that gives us some protection. And that protection looks like that verse in Deuteronomy, that he will bless my barns, all that I put my hand to. Because that's who God is. He wants to be a God of blessing. So many times we're called to this place where God wants to bring death and destruction. And that's not just God. Because if you heard from our kids, it was a couple months ago when we had the youth takeover, They told you that God suffers a long time before he gets angry. God stays with you and sticks with you. He hears you bleeding, and he knows how stubborn we are. Because if we're going back to the sheep analogy, I don't want to move pastures. I like this pasture. It's a good pasture. Why are you moving me to a new pasture? But he knows that that's a good place for us, and he watches over us. And that leads us to the next part of this verse. And we all know this one, I think. We've heard it preached about soldiers. We've heard soldiers pray this in hard times. We've probably prayed this. Verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Last week, I was having some trouble at work. This isn't my full-time job. I have a full-time job. We were having some trouble at work and had some trouble in some other places. And as I'm sitting here preparing for this sermon, as I'm sitting here going through this study like Matt asked me to, I'm thinking, do I really believe this verse? I mean, do I really believe this verse? Do I believe that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil? What part of me has to get a hold of that for me to pick up some boldness in my life and say, this is the way it's going to be. That's my shepherd, and this is how I'm going to walk. Because if you look at this verse, it says the shadow of death, right? It doesn't even say death. And this is the reason why it's not a verse just for funerals. It's a verse that says the shadow of death. So that means I'm alive, and I'm walking through the valley, and that shadow ain't got no power over me. That means I'm walking through this valley, and even though I hear the clamoring of whatever, I'm not going to be as scared. We recently were able to buy a new home. It took forever. But Ronan, for the first time in his life, has his own bedroom. And Ronan's about six. He's a little guy that stands next to us during worship. And, and he's got his own bedroom. Well, you, you, you remember back how your kids were at that age. Any shadow that comes in that room is something that's about to take their life, right? I mean, anything that goes bump in the night is there to kill them for some reason. I don't know how that gets in our head. I really don't. But, but that's what he's talking about, those shadows of death. As I get older, any creak in my body is all of a sudden caused to go look up WebMD. I can get on WebMD, and I can tell you right now, I've got stage 10 terminal something. It's just a creak in my back. I was thinking for sure I had some things going on back there, and I went. To, Ashley rushed me to the doctor. I woke up one day, and I had this stiff pain. I thought for sure I was done with. Well, you, you just pulled your back out. Let's give you a shot. Go see a chiropractor. Sure enough, chiropractor pops on your back. 
whoo, life is off to normal again. I wasn't going to die. I was going to live. But any type of creek that comes upon us, sometimes we get that fear, right? Can't live in that place. Sometimes there's things we got to take care of business. Sometimes there's death looking at us, and sometimes things happen that I can't explain, but that's, that's the pasture. That's where God's got me. And that's where the shepherd has me. But there's other times in life where I've got to put down the fact that, yeah, they may be mad, but I still got a God. Yeah, I may not be being treated fair at my workplace, but I still got a God. They may not be giving me what I'm due, and this may not be working out the way I want, but I still got a God. And he sees me in these pastures. He sees me in this transition point. And that's powerful in these pastures that we're going through in these transitions we were just talking about. Evil can sometimes pop up. But just like it said above, I shall know no want. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A lot of times we get this idea of a God who has a rod and a staff, almighty, all-powerful, about to smite us. But if you actually watch how shepherds guide those sheep, they tap them, right? Tap them on the sides. Never will you see hardly, I mean, unless they're just a knucklehead, somebody beating the tar out of their sheep. You just won't see that. They're kindly nudging, kindly walking them around. Sometimes we get bullheaded, and maybe we got a lot of wool on us, so the thumping may be a little harder, but it's just, a, it's just a tap because we need to get down the path. It's not a beating. You're allowed to make mistakes. It's a God of grace. It's a God who covers you even when those mistakes, and that's the testimony of our people, the testimony of us being sheep. Is there, there, There's times where we get off the path, and we need a little tap. Hey, come back over here. Come back over here. Same thing with our kids learning to walk. We tap them just a little bit, keep them on the right path, right? We want to encourage them. The staff, it's interesting to note, mentioned in this, is not a shepherd's crook. Traditionally, we'll see shepherds, and they'll have that big old staff thing with a big old hook on it. looks pretty powerful if you use it in the right ways. In this particular verse, it's actually just a walking staff. Because the verse says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow death, I fear no evil for you are with me. He's walking beside us. If you need that staff, he's there to help you walk. He's there to pick you up to get you out of that place and out of that place where you're in a valley. It's interesting to note that it's not the all-powerful God saying, I'm going to strike that evil dead with lightning and I'm going to take a shepherd's crook to it. It's a walking stick he has to help us walk through those places because there are transition points in our life where we have to walk and struggle to get up the hill. But know that he is with us. It's also that rod is important in guiding us because we need it every once in a while because the world we're living in can sometimes be a little dodgy. We get out there into the business world and we see somebody else do something and we think, okay, well, I can do that too. You can't because we've been called by his name. We've picking up a covenant with him just like they sang about in the song that says, I'm this person and this is the way I'm going to behave. And should I stop behaving this way, you may have to poke me with a rod, God, because I'm stubborn. Like a sheep, I can get off the path. Now, here's another important part to note. Sheep, and I didn't know this until I started reading about them, and somebody can testify to this if they know, but they like to stay in a herd, right? So there's no real need for fences. I mean, God's put fences around us if you read some of the verses, but there's no need for a fence because sheep like to stay together in a pack, 
And the only reason one, you've heard that verse, one for the 99, the only reason one is going off into the wilderness is because they've been herded out. Coyotes, lions, bears, whatever, noises in the night, that sheep goes running off. Now, here's, here's a good thing. If you're the sheep that's lost from the pack, you're not the one who got eaten. If, if you've been herded out, usually they've herded out one or two of you. And the one that didn't run fast enough is probably the one that got eaten by the wolves. God bless them. So if you're the one, know that you didn't get eaten. Here's the other thing. If you're the one, Jesus is coming for you. He's looking for you. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you even recognize it or not, the Savior, the shepherd, is out there looking for you. If you're a person at home waiting for that one to come home, Jesus is out there looking for him. Rest at night knowing the shepherd takes care of his flock. That's what the good shepherd does. And so you may be out by yourself in this valley in the shadow of death, but know the Savior's coming for you. And he's got you because he's great God Almighty. And know that he's going to find you. And realize here too, they say the rod and the staff, they comfort me. Any version of an angry God coming to get you should be dispelled with this one verse, the rod and staff are there for my comfort. Because if I get out there in the wild, it can get a little thorny. If I get out there in the wild and I don't have my full complement of wool on, those thorns are going to hurt. So know that they're for our comfort and not for our destruction. And here where we come to the discussion about since when do sheep sit at the table. It says, you prepare a place, a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a place for me in the presence of my enemies. Show me anywhere else in the world where it says a sheep belongs to the table. Show me anywhere else in any other religion, any other self-help book that says you belong a place at the table because you're a sheep. Here is our God, our shepherd, inviting us to the table. Number two, it says in the presence of my enemies. Now, I had to do a little learning when it came to this first sentence because I think a lot of times in my life I've been taught that that table is a peace table that that table before me is where I'm supposed to make peace with my enemy or where I'm supposed to make compromise with my enemy. If you actually study that word presence out in the Hebrew, it says something totally different. In the Hebrew, it means to set, to put in order. It's not a peace table he's setting you at. It's a table where he's going to feed you right in front of the enemy. He's going to supply all your needs. I shall not want It's not something where he's bringing you to the table so that you can compromise and say, all right, you win. I give you this and you give me that. It's not a place where you just sit down and say, okay, I'm defeated. It's a place where he feeds you in the presence of that enemy. And guess what? They're watching you eat. They're watching you get fed while they sit there on the sidelines wondering what the heck is going on. And I think you've probably seen that in your life if you sit down and you think about it. He provides a way when the enemy comes at you. So if you're feeling weary, if you're feeling tired from the battle that you've been going through, realize that there's a smorgasbord like going down to the golden crowd that he's fixing to bring to your table. Here's another thing. He's called you to the table. The shepherd has called you to the table. If you're under attack, if you're feeling the enemy coming after you, he's calling you to the table. Sit down and eat with me. And this is where that verse comes in, I think, where man will not live by bread alone. We have to live by the Word. The Word says that He's preparing a table for me and says He's going to feed me. 
That verse goes on to say, if you have anointed my head with oil, my cup, cup overflows. Now here's the truth. Sheep have no natural defenses. I have, you know, I got hands, I got muscles, I got feet, I can kick you, stuff like that. But a sheep, a lot of things that come against a sheep, they've got no vicious fangs. They've got cloven hoofs, kind of like cows. They can't scratch behind the ears, get the flies off. So they have to anoint the head with oil so that the flies will stay off of them. Because if the flies don't get off of them, they won't eat. Or worse yet, other diseases will come upon them to keep them from eating. And all of a sudden, the sheep's no good. He anoints my head with oil. If you actually look at that word anoint, it's not, hey, he puts me in a high position. It's actually, you make my head fat. So there's good news for those of us with fat heads. It's a good thing. The Lord has blessed you double if you have a fat head. That's what that word anoint means. He fattens my head so that it can handle things. He fattens my head so that it's protected. Because he knows I like to do a bunch of head button. He prepares me for a place to be able to take on the enemy because he's anointed my head and he's also healed it. He's healed me because, like I said, walking through those transition places, I mean, there's nothing up here that gets me to get the gnats off or to pull a thorn out. He's got to do that for me. If I think about all the places I've been in life, most of the things that have come against me is stuff that I couldn't stop. The pasture changes because the shepherd took me into a different pasture. The pasture changes because there's no rain, so the shepherd has to take me into a different pasture. It's not because the shepherd did something wrong. It's not because the sheep did something wrong. It's just things change, and we go through different seasons in life. We've entered a new season. All of a sudden, it's time to go back to school again. People are getting ready to go back to school. They're ready to all of a sudden get back to work. We've been on summer vacations. We've been doing summer projects, and now all of a sudden, we're going to be stuck in the house because winter's coming. So we've entered into this new season as a people. This church has entered a new season. A pastor left, another is coming on. A lot of different changes in our life, a lot of new different seasons coming in our life. Just because things are hard doesn't mean you did something wrong. Just because things are tough doesn't mean that you got off the path. Maybe you just have to get to a new pasture. Maybe you just have to get to more still water. Or, and you're in that transition place between the two. It speaks to us, this verse, about the different things we go through in life. We can't stay in the same place because... The grass gets short, we keep eating it, we won't stop. And much like sheep, I can't defend myself. I can't just make grass grow out of the ground. I can't just make waters flow in the wilderness. I can't even get the flies off of my head sometimes. The most things we ever battle in this world are people's opinions against us. I can barely compete against some of those things. Some of the thoughts that people have about me, I can't control a lot of those things. I can just be me. And I like me. Me is pretty good. But I can't defend myself against some of those things, and that's where God steps in. In fact, if you're having trouble at work, God says, I'm the one who puts kings in places. So if he's the one that puts kings in places, then we need to be praying to God that something happens in that place that allows me to rise up out of that. Or maybe I'm in a transition part, and the transition is just so hard. i got to get up out of this place. Pray to God, the good shepherd is leading you to a place where you can recover from that and he can restore your soul. And so going back to this verse, there's some promises in there. It says, he is your shepherd that you will not want, that there are green pastures, there are quiet waters, that he will restore your soul, that he will guide you in the path of righteousness. That's all for his namesake. He says, there will be valleys that look scary, but he's with us. 
and I will fear no evil. Realize David says there, I will fear no evil because he's with me, because the great shepherd is with me. And even though I walk through those valleys, his rod and his staff are there to comfort me. It doesn't say about chasing off the enemy. We know he does that. But realize his rod and staff are there to comfort us, to grow us up in those places of righteousness, those places where he's allowed our soul to be healed. There's the promise that he's preparing a table before me. And that table is before my enemies to help me, to feed me, to guide me. That he's going to heal my head and that my cup will overflow. There was a long time ago in a land far away. I, I was in a profession I'd actually gone to college for. I was having a great time, enjoying life. Until I wasn't. Just like that, they asked me to leave. What am I going to do now? I went to school for this. This is where I wanted to spend my life. So there was my income, all gone, my hope, my futures. And so coming out of that, I was trying to find a job. Couldn't really find a job back then. They didn't have as many as they're open right now. And so I didn't have any new source of income ready, readily available. And so I was worrying about all this. Plus, and I was sitting there thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make this work? And then all of a sudden, there was a knock at the door. It was one of my aunts, one of my dad's sisters. And she showed up. Now, this part of the family, they're not very wealthy. They don't have a lot of money. And so she hands me a $50 bill. And I'm like, well, you can't afford this. No, I'm going to give this to you. You're going through a rough time, and I just want to encourage you right now. But you can't afford this. Listen, this isn't for you to stock away and to pay bills. This is what I want you to do with that money. I want you to go out and feed your family a nice dinner. I'm like, well, I can't. I got bills to pay. This is going to help keep the electricity. This is for you to take your family out for a dinner. I'm like, Okay, you're my aunt. I'm going to do what you say because I love you. And so it broke my heart into a million pieces because here was this person. They couldn't afford it. They were giving out of generosity of spirit, generosity of heart. And even though I didn't have a guaranteed income, they wanted me to go spend this money on a nice meal. Back then, $50 might get you a little more than it does today. Still a pretty good chunk of change, right? And so we went and we had a pretty good dinner. Man, that blessed my soul. It brought into this whole emphasis of my cup overflows. Something. And it was just something small. $50, nothing. I mean, it is something, but not really. That's when my cup really overflows. Getting up here to preach. Them calling me on the phone. Hey, would you like to preach again? Yeah, my cup overflows. That's what God does. He takes us, the shepherd does. He takes us into these places all of a sudden, you're just filled with this inner peace and this inner joy. You feel like Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, I can take anything in the world because I know, number one, that there's people out there praying for me. And that's what she said when, before she left. She goes, no, we're praying for you. And that's where I really hit my knees because you think you're all alone. You're out there all by yourself in the wilderness. I'm all alone. And her saying, hey, I'm praying over you, changed all that. It knew that I had people actively engaged in my welfare. They didn't know what I was going through. They didn't know the exact details. Didn't know to. They just knew that they were praying for me. That changed the way I walked through life. Because it's not just God's name on the bottom of my foot or the bottom of my soul. It's other people, a, a, a herd, like a bunch of sheep together knowing that it means something. That's the reason I like sending my kids down here to the Panhandle schools. And if you're in Groom, White Deer, Fritch, wherever you're at, there's people in this building that go to that same school. There's people in this building that teach at that school. There's people in this government office across the street go to this church. I know that we're all part of a flock. 
And because we're all part of a flock, we got a different eye on things. I can see this person and that person, and so I know that I should look out for them. I, sh- I know that maybe there's something over here I should be praying about. I know that as a member of the flock, I have a community. And so I like sending my kids to Panhandle schools because I know there's teachers in that building that know who they are. And not out of a place of favor, not out of a place of specialness, but know that they're also fellow members of the river and that they, that's a person that they know. And so together it's community and it's people praying for each other and looking out for each other. And we could use a lot more of that in this world because outside, like I said, there's wolves that want to herd people off. There's wolves that want to chase our youngins out into the wilderness and take advantage of them. And so you, as a member in those places, you have a special anointing on you to take care of those places, to pray over those places. Not like saying you have to be their mother and father, but I'm saying there's places and instances where you can pray over our children that you can't in any other circumstance. If you're at the park, you can recognize who's a member of the river or even who's a member of the Baptist church, the church of Christ. You know those people. And so you know that they're a member of God's giant flock and I can pray over them. You see him out on the basketball court. I know that girl. She can dunk like nobody's business, and I'm going to pray over her because she's a member of the river. And that leads you also to pray over other things as God brings those things to your mind. Same thing with our government buildings. Same thing in our workplaces. If you're working out there in Pantex, there's been a lot of people in this building worked out there for a very long time. You know, you know who are members of your churches. Pray for them. Engage them in a way that changes life out there. Because life has got to get better in those places if that place is going to succeed, if that place is going to be a safe place. Same thing with our schools. It's a great place here at the river to be a shepherd. And there's a lot of shepherds in this room. So thank you for being a shepherd. It matters. It matters to God's flock. It matters to my flock. Know that if you are a sheep, sometimes you have to be the shepherd because the pack animals, somebody's got to lead them sometimes because the shepherd's gone astray. It's okay to be that person. It's okay to step up and say, this is what God created me for. And so that's, I mean, there's weird things that go on over there. I don't know, kids today, right? But I'm grateful to know that there's praying people in those places that can help my children succeed. And people who actually know what Jesus means. And so I'm grateful to be a member here. And the same thing in Fritch, if you live there, there's people that come to church here from Fritch. So thank you for making that travel. White deer and groom, thank you. Going back to those promises, David ends with this verse here. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because of his promises, because of his staff and the rod, I have the assurance that his goodness and his loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Kind of goes back to that verse in Deuteronomy 28.9. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, as he swore to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, so that all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by my name, and they will revere you. That sounds pretty good. I want that in my life. I want that in my kids' lives. I want that in the people that I go to church's lives. Because if their life is good and they have God's loving kindness on them, I want that too. And I want to be around that because that's where we really get to start to worshiping is when I recognize that. And it's a great place to realize that I'm also a sheep. I can't provide myself or my family with everything I need to. I just can't. I'd like to. I work 
endless hours, go out into the yard, spend all the time I want to out there, making it a beautiful place. Something over here needs attention. Something over here needs attention. It's good to know that I have a shepherd up above who sees all those places, who knows that there's a pasture change coming up because the shepherd has sight. Sheep, we don't have very good death perception. I can't see next year. I can't see six months. Who would have known COVID was going to strike the earth? And then on top of that, monkeypox. Who knew these things were going to happen? I could guarantee you the stock market was going to crash because of COVID. I mean, we can, we can all guess that. That's pretty simple. But what's going to happen after that? I can't see that. I can't see what's going to spring up in its place. I can't see when all of a sudden a teacher is just going to decide she wants to leave Panhandle and go teach somewhere else down the road. I can't see that, but I got a shepherd who can't. I got a shepherd who can provide in those places, who can walk us in and out of those places. I would have never guessed Pastor Matt wouldn't be up here for life. There he is, gone. God can see that. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And because of that, I can walk through those valleys knowing that he's with me. And that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you don't know, I like to call the worship team up. If you don't know God, Jesus, as your Lord and shepherd, I, I ask you to consider that this week. Come talk to us about that. It will change your life. It will change your life for the better. You will know that there's another hand moving amongst your life. And notice, once again, going back to the very start of that phrase, it's not Buddha. It's not Mohammed. It's not some guy living down on the streets playing bongos in Austin. It's the Lord, Yahweh, who has set us in motion. There's only one way. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be a lamb for us. And maybe I should prepare a whole sermon on sheep since I'm so opposed to being a sheep. But there's also some repentance in me sometimes that I have to realize that I'm just a sheep in his flock. And I have to ask him for forgiveness that maybe I've gone straight and maybe I need to get him back on the path. I need him to get me back on the path. And so there's these things we need to pray about. And if you need help praying for those things, we invite you to pray. And we have the ministry teams that will be up here on either side of the stage. Because we're here for each other. Because as a member of the sheep, that makes us a flock. And so if we're looking out for each other, life's going to get better. If we're looking out for each other, life is going to start to expand in ways we can never imagine. I want to read this verse back over you again. Deuteronomy 28, 8 says, The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and all that you put your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself as he swore to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, so that all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by his name and they will fear you because of that. If your life has seen something different than that, I want to say I'm sorry. The pasture changes, the grass can sometimes wither away, but he's got you in his hand, leading you to another path. Sometimes we're like that one and we get off all by ourselves. Jesus is coming for you. He's got you in mind. He knows where you're at and he's coming for you. And if they've wandered from your flock, Jesus has gone after them. He's going to bring them back. And when he does... He's going to heal them and make them whole. He's going to heal us and make us whole because sometimes we need that too. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be up here. It's such an honor to be able to talk to you about Jesus. God bless you. Y'all have a great day. And that's this week's message. 
We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.